0: Good morning. It's Friday, January 14th. I'm Duarte Geraldino,
1: And I'm Shemitah Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them.
0: One of the world's most serious humanitarian crises is happening right now in Afghanistan. Four months after U.S. troops left, Tens of millions of Afghans are on the brink of famine. Jane Ferguson went there for The New Yorker.
2: We're looking at a population of about 39 million people. Most of the country cannot feed itself. That's unprecedented for a country of that size.
1: She spoke to doctors and found a healthcare system on the brink of collapse. Many pregnant women are so malnourished that they're giving birth to premature babies. From a healthcare professional's
2: perspective, like the doctors and the nurses that are in these wards, it's an absolute nightmare. They're really just doing their best. And you can see that the sanitation is so, so poor. We saw you know, dirty bed sheets on these tiny little ICU beds that are really meant for one baby at a time. They'll have two, three, sometimes four babies to a bed. And the doctors told us that, you know, that causes infections to just absolutely ravaged through these babies. They'll get the infections after they've come in.
0: Here's the key to understanding the story. The Afghan government was dependent on international aid for 20 years. That money dried up in August when the Taliban took power.
2: So Afghanistan had suddenly, within the government that no longer existed, had no funding to be able to pay its government workers. And Afghanistan, like many countries around the world, the government is its single biggest employer. You work for the government if you are a road sweeper or you are a nurse in a hospital, a school teacher, an economist, anything that we would consider apolitical and having nothing to do with the war. All of those people overnight, their salaries are gone.
0: The U.S. froze more than $9 billion in Afghan government assets when the Taliban took control. Some international groups want the Biden administration to release that money and give it to humanitarian organizations.
1: The UN says Afghanistan could face what's called universal poverty by the middle of this year, with 97% of Afghans living below the global poverty line of about $2 a day.
0: The news was as shocking as it was horrible. Home fires killed at least 17 people in the Bronx and 12 in Philadelphia. NBC News goes beyond these headlines, and it traces these deaths to systemic racial issues that make housing in the U.S. unsafe.
1: Many of the people killed in these fires were Black, and there's a pattern here. Even though Black people make up only about 13% of the U.S. population, they represent a full 25% of people killed in residential fires.
0: NBC explains how housing in neighborhoods where black people live is often neglected. That building in the Bronx where all those people died, it didn't have fire escapes or sprinklers throughout the building. There are questions about whether properly maintained self-closing doors might have kept the fire and smoke from spreading so fast.
1: Records show residents filed several complaints about this building, including lack of heat, One urban planning expert told NBC complaining to your landlord or about your landlord can be complicated. There's no guarantee your problem will get fixed. And a lot of people fear some kind of blowback, like getting evicted. And he says add on top of that race, income, immigration status, and you have a power imbalance that can make it harder for tenants to advocate for safer housing.
0: NBC also notes how... There is this long history in the U.S. of discriminatory zoning laws. They led black people to have to settle for substandard housing options. And because rent is so high in many cities, many families can't afford homes that are big enough for them. And this sometimes leads to dangerously overcrowded apartments. Okay, so when was the last time you listened to a CD? The 90s? Okay, I'm calling it. CDs are officially dead. And here's a stat that really seals it. Last year, CDs were outsold by vinyl. Sales of vinyl records rose 51% compared to the previous year. Quartz explains why vinyl sales have been rising over the past few years and how it bloomed into a full-on vinyl renaissance.
1: While I was reading this Quartz article, I thought it'd be fun to hear from Ebro Darden over at Apple Music. In New York, we know him as Ebro in the Morning on Hot 97. When I called him, he said he's not surprised vinyl sales are up because music isn't just about what you hear.
3: Kind of engaging with the Touching of the music and and feeling it and reading it and looking at the cover and the art and the whole experience. I think people are into that. Shopping for vinyl is even very popular now. You know, it's almost like antique shopping in a way. You know, if you've noticed that people's houses, you'll go in, there'll be like a little record player in the corner and a couple of pieces of vinyl. And it's just cool to pull the vinyl out and, you know, put it on and actually put the needle on.
1: Right. I mean, we're seeing really big artists pressing vinyl now. Adele, she was a yep. top selling vinyl yep. artist of last year. Yep. Taylor Swift is on the list three yep. times in the top 10. Olivia yep. Rodrigo was huge. Is this a genre specific phenomenon? Is it an audience specific phenomenon? What do you think no, it is? No,
3: it's a it's a cultural phenomenon. It's an everybody phenomenon because in hip hop for many years, vinyl has been a big deal. You know, I, I have colleagues who, they still play 45s, if you even know what that is, right? The the small records, right? That's a little one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they have parties where literally the DJs come in with boxes of their 45s. You know, it's just cool. It's a it's a cool collector piece. It's a cool piece of, of content.
1: If someone is uh, wanting to collect some vinyl and they don't know where to start, you want to recommend a couple of your favorite things to listen to specifically on vinyl?
3: So if you can get a hold of it, which I did, Metallica released their black album on vinyl and it's a vinyl collector's box, which sounds incredible. Other things you may enjoy listening to on vinyl. uh, I mean, obviously the greats, Stevie wonder Uh, if you can track down some miles Davis, some John Coltrane on vinyl. If you can find those things, those are all great to listen to too.
1: Ebro, thank you so much for your thoughts. I appreciate it.
3: Shamita, thank you for having me on the program.
0: It's creamy and delicious. And the foundation of fondue is the subject of a controversial new court ruling. I'm talking about Gruyere cheese. Its meltiness makes it perfect for dipping in a pot of that classic dish, especially during this frosty time of year. It also makes a pretty nice grilled cheese sandwich if you're feeling fancy.
1: As Food & Wine magazine explains, Gruyere wound up in an American court because Swiss and French cheesemakers say cheese can only be called Gruyere if it comes from their home turf. It's kind of like the champagne argument, right? French producers say if it's not from the Champagne region, you have to call it sparkling wine.
0: The Swiss and French take issue with cheeses from, say, Wisconsin or something, being sold in America as Gruyere. They say, call it alpine cheese or mountain cheese, whatever, but not Gruyere. And they threw lawyers at the problem.
1: Yeah, they were literally sending cease and desist letters to American (laughs) cheesemakers. They were (laughs) threatening them, stop using the G word. But now a U.S. federal court has ruled the name Gruyere can be applied to cheese made in America. Now, the Europeans say... The fight is not over. They're planning to appeal. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app.
0: And check out our weekend interview show In Conversation. This week, I speak with Bloomberg investigative reporter Esme Duprez. Her father had ALS. Last year, she wrote about helping him use Maine's medical aid in dying law to end his life.
1: He no longer recognized the life that he now had with ALS and also he didn't want to be remembered as this frail dependent shut-in and i mean he really became that so i think he saw medical aid and dying as a way to really wrest back control from this disease that had stolen so much of what he was about we'll be back with the news on monday